Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hey, happy Tuesday. Thanks for joining us again on the podcast. Join us later this week because Chance is going to be on with me. Paul is on a much-needed break later this week, but he's still here with me now. Guys, thank you so much for watching both the eight-car and the five-car films. Yeah. Those are edited and up, and thanks to <laughs> Edgar and Chance for busting their tails, and thanks to you, man, for busting your butt. We were all in it on done. it. That was we a were. lot going on. We shot for a week. Yep. And I ended up tallying it up between the two channels, which includes a couple of uh, embargoed pieces like the Frontier and the 86. We did four hours worth of video content in the last four weeks. Finished, edited, Meaning mixed, Meaning there's four everything. hours worth of stuff yes. you can watch, which is yeah. craziness. I'm very proud of that. We are also in the remains of the opportunity drawing to win our two cheap sports cars. The very first thing you see when you go to everydaydriver.com and you can win one of our two cars. And we wish you all very much luck. All the details are right on there. Mm-hmm. And we are also in our TV season We just aired Beaver and Horse. Beaver and Horse. That's coming to YouTube before too long, too. Yeah. Huge thanks to our TV sponsors, Haggerty, Griot's Garage, Covercraft, Autotempest.com, slash everyday. And with Griot's, you can use the code eDriver. Covercraft is everyday21. We have a really interesting topic Tuesday. It's kind of a Mm -hmm. two-parter. Part of it is talking about market predictions. Mm -hmm. And I love when people pull out old podcasts and say, hey, you guys either called it or you were so off. (laughs) Which will continue. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is partly a debate, but really kind of breaking it down about the market and where mm-hmm. we see the used car and the new car market going. What's mm-hmm. what's going on with that? Because it does affect everything that we talk about here when we're recommending cars. And it ties into that cheap sports car challenge that we just did Absolutely. because people continually jump on and say, I have found nothing. I've looked and looked. And Todd and I are thinking, are you using a different internet? <laughs> You're right. Well, but the the other trick is, though, I will say this. I will say this. You and I search for cars nationwide. Nationwide in and all the nooks and only, crannies. If you're only searching within 200 miles of you, yeah, you may not find anything that meets the parameters. I totally get that. We search private We owners, search nationwide. We search everywhere dealers. we can through Autotempest, drilling down all the way to Craigslist nationwide. It's amazing the stuff you can find. That's the kind of search we're using. So I, I understand people going, there's nothing like this because you're looking within somewhere you could drive there in an hour and come back with the car. And you're right. The car might not exist there, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of cars out there. I mean, that's what we did. And, and we kind of proved that out with our own two cheap sports cars Mm -hmm. yours came from phoenix yep that's more than a day's drive mine came from florida (laughs) it came through in an uncovered transporter through a hurricane Mm -hmm. yeah it got treated very very well yeah his email is nick he says he's from houston texas he has heard us cover periodically but he thinks Mm -hmm. it's worth a revisit because we've gotten various questions just you know and touched on this quickly because but nick says market trends are very peculiar currently we agree but what are our thoughts in general about the used and new car market and what direction do we recommend in general scenarios? How do you see this going? Are we Mm. seeing a bubble, if you will, or simply a newer pricing model moving forward? You're right, Nick. We do cover it periodically. And I know you're talking specifically about sales, but there's a couple other topics in Mm -hmm. here that we want to touch on, autonomy and the market, but also electric cars Mm -hmm. and that switchover as well. Well, I think it directly relates, Nick, because here's the key thing that's going on. I'm going to say again what I think I've said before, and that is this. Here we are in the the back end of 2021, and prices are insane. They're Mm -hmm. insane for new cars. They're insane for used cars. They're really insane for anything that feels like a collector iconic car, like please don't go buy a Supra right now. You'll hurt yourself. 
Okay, <laughs> the, the a ninety super yeah. is just going to yeah break you in half. And they're not, and they're look they're great, but they're not worth the kind of prices they're getting. It's insane. Air cooled nine elevens. It's like what is happening yeah. in the world? This is yeah. no connection to reality whatsoever. So there's a lot of madness going on. Some of that is supply chain, lots of other things. But my headlines are these. I think the market is going to come back down in mass. Overall, I think it's going to come back down because the supply chains are going to be fixed. That means the the new cars are not going to be able to charge extra for them anymore because there's actually going to be supply. So I think that's going to recover. And I think that's going to have some spill off into the used car market in general. However, icons like the Supra, cars Mm -hmm. that people are looking back on fondly as that was the greatest generation of, it could be a model, it could be a car style, it could be a whatever. You've got Lotus coming out with the Amira. They're saying this is our last combustion, combustion engine car. Mm-hmm. The cars that feel like the last of the breed, and that is a broad spectrum, but the cars that feel like the last, they don't make them like this anymore, they're not going to. I think those are going to stay high. Because as far as those, pricing. Yes. Okay. I think those are not going to, they may come down some, but I don't think they're going to come back down to where they were two, three, four, certainly not five years ago. I don't think that's happening. I think the market at large is going to recover. The specialty cars, they've already moved on. It's really too bad. I don't know that they're coming back. I can't decide on this. I do want to touch a bit on this supply chain issue here, Nick, and that is the chip shortage that everybody's been hearing about. And directly from the CEOs, of these large tech companies, the chip companies, Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger has warned that the global chip shortage will stretch into 2023. Mm. Cisco CEO Chuck Robbins has said at least 12 to 18 months, as has the CEOs of Micron and Qualcomm. And this was attributed to the shutdown of production and huge rise in demand for tech gear, of course, Mm -hmm. as everybody knows. Mm -hmm. But then there was a severe drought in Taiwan, causing everyone to divert water supplies from industrial manufacturing. The drought is now over, according to the CEO of Micron, but they were trucking in water. Mm. 3,600 metric tons of water just in one short period were purchased by TSMC and UMC. These are chip fabs. Mm. But that pales in comparison to the amount of water used by companies at the Southern Taiwan Science Park. Digitimes reported that companies in the park use a combined 175,000 metric tons of water every day. Wow. So that 3,600 metric tons being trucked (laughs) in represents 2% Mm. of that daily usage. The companies recycle a significant amount of this water up Mm to 85% Mm -hmm. or a, a bit over. Reducing the water usage is obviously very helpful. This has created this long-term ripple effect, and I think it's made used cars very attractive for people. So what I have seen and what Todd and I have been experiencing, even with our own local mechanics, is that I don't think there's just a need for repair shops because repair shops need turnover. They need the bread and butter of oil changes Mm -hmm. and tire changes and just the quick repairs, the stuff that's pretty easy to do, get the customer in, get the customer out, get the car back on the road. But then there's the next level about your used car. What about keeping your used car? We've talked about, Mm. theoretically, you could run it and keep it forever. Even though, yes, electric cars are coming, it's still bad business for companies to completely abandon all the cars they've built for the last 10 or 20 years Mm -hmm. or longer and not make parts anymore. If the parts are available, you can keep them running. Mm Mm-hmm. And therefore, we need mechanics. I see is not just the regular repair, but the next step up, almost half restoration facilities. Sure, like the sure, quick yeah. resto. I don't know what you call that, but it's not. It's not just maintenance. It's a level beyond that, but it it's is. not full rebuild. From but the, it's not yeah. full. You know, strip yeah. it down. You know, interiors out, engines yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe 
you know, various major things are out. But what that does is it suddenly gives you another 100,000 miles with your car. Mm-hmm. You refresh the tech and maybe a few upgrades, maybe a little bit more performance in your brakes mm-hmm. or your suspension. Or it's like a refresh business, not a repair business. Yes. Yeah, interesting. Well, it's that exact thing that you've been talking about doing with your Elise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, okay, this is going to take 6 to 8 to 12 or 16 weeks to do this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you're getting back a car that you loved when it went away, and now here it is kind of back to health, yeah, refreshed, kind of refreshed yeah. kind of new again. Mm. It's that kind of thing that I see a bit of a growing need for, mm. at least in the short term, because you could keep your car. You could go sell it, but it's just like selling your house at the highest market level. And well, now I got to go buy another house at the Mm -hmm. same or next level up. What if you kept your car and refreshed it? And there were that availability of resto mechanics. There's also exemptions for various companies. This is fascinating. We've gotten some emails actually just this week with the the, the tone of the email. And and it's been from you guys that that are huge car people. Please don't misunderstand me. It's, It's not people that are saying anything about current cars. that's bad. They love current cars. They're excited about current cars, but it has a slight Eeyore feel over the top of it like well i guess we're all in electric cars now because worldwide news has suggested that pretty much the entire globe is only going to make electric cars as of about 2030 or 2035 this is not a commentary on the viability of electric cars this is not a commentary on whether or not we should have electric cars i'm talking about the actual political and industrial and infrastructure realities of these headlines We're talking about way less than 10% of the global cars in the world are electric right now. Yes. You're talking about all the ones being sold are all electric in just over a decade. Now, while I suppose, look at the moon landing, it is possible for man to massively change things in a short period of time. But we're talking about something on an immense scale here. During the Obama administration, Mm -hmm. there were very strict new regulations done on the average gas mileage and emissions of all car makers right. and all car right. makers wrenched themselves toward those goals. Mm-hmm. Yep. But eight years later under president Trump, many of that was changed. Now I am not making a comment on which side of the coin That's you should be on, is but what this is. is what I'm saying. Right. 10 years from now, all the people that are making news right now, because the big political thing they said they're going to make happen will no longer be in those roles. And there's realities that come into play like the availability of infrastructure. Yes. And there's also people's comfort level. This is not scientific evidence. This is empirical data. I'm not sure if I want a Porsche Taycan. I like the idea. I think they're awesome, but man, they're expensive. They're mm-hmm. going through their teething problems with these cars. Teslas are not built well. The body panels are poorly aligned. I don't want a Tesla. Mm-hmm. They are blindingly fast, plaid mode, quick. They're mm-hmm. the latest, coolest thing. I'm not sure what's going to push me over the edge. Yeah, it's got to be the infrastructure. But when everybody suddenly wants an electric car and the charging isn't available, that's key. What happens? That hasn't been solved. People are trying to solve that. They they are going after this. mm -hmm. Electrify America. mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to solve this problem, but we're just not there yet. The supply chain issues just for the stuff, the the special metals that make all the batteries, those are already almost at their limits. Mm -hmm. So what if the whole thing is happening there and where it's so many more cars? Again, we're at less than 10%. When it's 25%, 30%, there's going to be major strain on that infrastructure. We're talking about chip shortages right now on stuff that exists having trouble with cars. What if we have to make batteries and there's not enough of those heavy metals? and special special chemicals to make those batteries. What happens then? Look at the layers of stuff that has got to be addressed in a decade for every car you sell to be electric, which is why I don't think it's going to happen. Two other reasons. 
the old cars don't suddenly stop working. Right. There will still be combustion cars out there. So it's not like the market all of a sudden is minority report and we're all driving around in electronic pods. That's not going to happen. The country of Italy is trying to get an exemption for supercar makers because of low volume, because of their history of making combustion engine cars, because of a lot of other reasons. Can we get exemptions for Ferrari and Lamborghini? Now, whether they should have them or not, that shows the first crack in the wall of what I'm talking about. Once we move closer to these deadlines, I think the deadlines are going to adapt. I don't think we're looking at only electric cars in 10 years being being sold. I just don't think so. I think there will be some countries and companies where that is the case. I don't think it will be global. And also, every one of those countries and companies will still have cars that are on the road that are not electric. Mm-hmm. We're looking at this as a light switch moment. Gas, 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 flip, electric. And the light switch is a perfect metaphor for that. But yes, this is the Italian government petitioning the EU mm-hmm. to be able to do this. Nowhere in here in this Bloomberg article has anybody suggested why. Why is the Italian government petitioning the EU? They're low volume. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. It's sound. The sound of sound those and cars history and all kinds of other is things, so yeah. closely attached to those beautiful performance cars, mm. which is also why I don't think the 911 flat six engine is going anywhere, nor is the American V8 going anywhere mm. Mm. because people will find a way around things. That just happens in any category, but people are still going to want their internal combustion engine cars. And you're right. They still run. They're continuing going to find ways to make them run and keep them running. Yeah. And there will be businesses to make money. <laughs> to keep them running. <laughs> to keep them running. There's money in Then there'll that. be places you can drive them. I mean, all of this is going to f- go further, further into niche things. I mean, but, but here's the other part of the equation. We've actually heard about this recently from Dammit Patton and others. You know, the Chevy Bolt we're big fans of. Yes. Which you've probably also seen in the news that they've all been recalled for battery fire issues. Now, I am not <laughs> That does saying, nothing to smooth my feathers over here well, and convince me, yeah, just go get one. But, I, but I'm not saying that that... Ha- I'm not looking at that as some sort of, well, GM just screwed up. I think that is a, a symbol of the larger problem, and that is electric vehicles at large are still being figured out. It doesn't mean some of them aren't great, but they're still being figured True. out. There's weird anomalies where it's like, we didn't see that coming, let alone infrastructure and charging and this kind of stuff. A decade... For all of this to be solved is asking a lot. Nick, coming back to your question, focusing in on the sales of cars, I think the genuine choice for many people will be to hang on to their car and mm-hmm. refresh it as much as they can. Maybe. Because cars can run a long time. You do mm-hmm. various mm-hmm. things to them and they'll, you can make them run. You can refresh the engine. You can refresh a lot of parts. But then there's new cars this need, I want something new. I'm, I'm just yeah, so yeah. tired of my car. I just want something new. There's new tech. That leads me to digital showrooms, mm. which I worked on as a part of the mm. tech world at Autodesk. Part of VR and part of the VR strategy for car companies is to reach the consumer in their living room, which sounds good. <laughs> it is like buying a couch online. No, I want to sit my butt in it. <laughs> I want to feel the couch. Yeah, I, I don't want to order it online because yeah. it comes and you think, ugh. The proportions are off. It doesn't fit. And it's terrible to sit in. It's not comfortable. It, it's the most terrifying thing on the planet. Furniture online is terrifying for that what reason. What if yeah. you don't like it? This is a significant investment. The other part of this is debating what should you do next. Mm-hmm. And Nick does have a genuine debate here. He's got a hard cap, Paul. He says of $45,000, but that's a okay. nice hard cap. He's leaning towards the sportback genre, though a sedan is almost equally welcomed, he said. 
It'll be a primary daily with an ideal track and autocross ratio of three times per year. Mm, interesting. Okay. We'll assume the usual suspects. He'll gravitate towards the G70 and the Stinger, both of which he really likes, and also the Audi A5. Mm-hmm. He's open to any manufacturer, but he has to admit he's biased towards the tried-and-true German engineering, he says. Mm, okay. I suppose I'm the first to admit tried and true doesn't make it reliable <laughs> i mean it makes it something i like it makes it awesome and it's great to. to drive but there's realities there as well yeah he keeps hearing from friends that korea has made enormous strides indeed they have but are those really on par yet with the big dogs knows mm. the stinger gt1 and the g70 just blow away the a5 performance wise that, that 3.3 liter v6 turbo is at heck of a power plant this has been ongoing a while and he's procrastinating because he's also watching the market mm-hmm. Are you willing to spend that kind of money? What other kind of hobby or interest, what other thing can everybody participate in besides cars that is something so attainable? You would think sports. Not everybody can participate because of physical limitations or mm-hmm. you're, you, know, you just don't want to do it anymore because of the wear and tear on your body. Cars are such this accessible thing for everyone mm-hmm. to participate in point. for even to late in life. You understand how to drive a car. This is yeah, there's that's good. many people that can do better than others. I keep thinking like everybody has some kind of contact with cars, whether you mm-hmm. love them or hate them. Yeah, for sure. Everybody has some kind of contact. And so you're going to have to decide, do I want to spend this kind of money and feed this addiction? Is this my hobby? Is this my thing? We want you to have something that you really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I say it is worth spending that kind of money. And you don't have to spend $45,000 to get... True. Yep. To get what you're looking for here. Yep. I would suggest, yeah, going and driving those cars, but then you'll have to go drive the German cars too. Those yeah. similar sedans and think, huh, this might really blow my budget. Is it worth it? Do I really want this? I mean, the Stinger is awesome, but I can't imagine the Stinger in autocross. It would do it, but the Stinger is a pretty big car. The G70 doesn't have the sport back hatch look you're talking about, so that's more a traditional sedan. But I think it is more fun to drive than the Stinger. If I were just buying one of those two and I didn't need back seat space, I'd buy the G70 every time. But if I need back seat space and cargo space, then I'd go Stinger. I personally would get both of those over the A5 Sportback, but sure. that doesn't mean that that's the right answer. I will say while you're shopping in this, it's a sedan, it's almost a hatchback world, there are two other things you must drive, Nick. One is the Alpha Julia. For forty-five grand, you could get an early quadrifolio and be a, quite a happy man, probably on the daily and especially at the track. I, we have tracked that car. It's fantastic on track. You will blow through tires, but it's fantastic <laughs> on track. Another one you should definitely shop, used Panameras. That is a car you would love driving every single day, and you could autocross or track that car, and it has a back sport back hatch. I do like that. I was thinking more in the BMW M240 genre. Sure. A little bit smaller, but I do like the Panamera in there, and those tap right into the German car thing, of course. But does it have to be a sedan? Do you have to have the four doors? If you do, definitely understand. I like the Panamera, but otherwise, Nick, take a look at that uh, the M240. It has not been beaver teethed. It has not, yes. Let us know what you decide on. We're looking forward to hearing. Send all your car conclusions, Topic Tuesdays, and most of all your car debates, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And don't forget your chance to enter the opportunity drawing for our cheap sports cars. (laughs) When the weather gets hot, it's time for custom sunscreens and dash covers from Covercraft. Their custom sunscreens are made to exactly fit inside your windshield. I mean, perfectly fit for maximum protection from the sun. They're durable and sturdy and fold up wonderfully for years of dependable use. There's a wide variety of colors and styles available, including the original awesome silver one, Premier Series, and Carhartt. 
Covercraft offers dash mat custom dash covers as well, custom fitted to your dash for complete protection from the sun. They reduce road glare when driving and complement your interior with a large selection of colors and styles, including the original carpet dash mat, suede mat, velour mat, and the extremely popular limited edition. Whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose, remember you need to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com for our audience. You can find Covercraft by following the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Cesar writes in and says uh, he's reluctant to switch but really like to be irresponsible. And I love that start. He, he's writing to us from California, and he says, look, he's, he's loved our show for a while. Thank you for listening. We're really glad to have you with us. He actually, because he's on the West Coast, sometimes he can get the podcast when it drops right around midnight when it actually goes live. He sometimes can get <laughs> right, it for right. him slightly into the day before, which he's pretty excited about. But the key thing here is that his current daily and project car is a 2002 WRX hatchback. Happens to be in red, which was a rare color at the time. So this is early 2000 Bug Eye WRX. That is an old car at this point, nearly 20 years old. He is loving it. He bought it for $6,000. You do not say how much money you've put in, but the big crux of this is the fact that ultimately you love it, your wife hates it, it's quite old, but is it possible to do better for more money? Well, let's hope. We better be able to do better. <laughs> let's try. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the car disease really bad. He's previously owned a 1971 Chevy El Camino, a 90, 1994 Pathfinder for off-roading, and an 84 Buick Regal as his lowrider. Cool. This is just the tip of the surface, he says, of his car history. But he had to sell everything in order to pay for college and be a responsible person in his early 20s. Uh, that, that ha- that, you have that moment, and then you reset into irresponsibility, which is where you are, Cesar. I love it. He did the right thing. He got educated, got married, had two kids, and bought a house. Boom. There you go. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a you're good you're checklist. officially an adult now, yes. But he's back to being ready to be irresponsible with his money again. <laughs> good. Welcome. He started small and, as Todd said, bought this current O2 WRX for six grand. His wife really thinks it's ugly. He keeps mentioning that throughout. It's <laughs> yes, just sprinkled in. Have I mentioned my wife not a fan. she thinks it's ugly? Yes. He says that's not a problem because there are other cars that include a 2014 Prius V. He said it's slower and less fun than you imagined. And we imagine How it is, is pretty possible? slow and less fun. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, that's a bar for there. His problem is, is if he's got this budget of twenty grand after selling the WRX, is there anything really worth the upgrade? Mm. It has to be manual. And has to be four doors because of the kids. Okay. He wants to inflict them. In fact, <laughs> word choice. Inflict? I like it. Inflict is a little, a little angry, but it, but it still happens. Still it's, gets you there. That's funny. It's an active term. He says he wants to get the disease in them as well by letting them come with him on fun Sunday rides. That's very good. Miles per gallon doesn't matter because his commute is four miles. Okay. All right. For his wife, she prefers a car that isn't ugly. Again, with the ugly. <laughs> yeah. She clearly, in case you've not followed along, is not a fan. Hi to Cesar's wife, because you're listening now, and that's very funny to me. He tried the Golf GTI. Well, anything from Volkswagen will be very pulled back, very reserved. Yes, especially compared to a 20-year-old Subaru. It's going to feel... German. Yeah, like you are very distant. We made a line, (laughs) and it sticks out a couple millimeters. (laughs) What do you think? You may not like the styling, but it is not going to offend. Here's a surface. He's driven that GTI, he's few of the turbo Civics, but he feels like he's wasting money when he's got a car that already fits most of his requirements. Mm. 
He says smiles per gallon at 6K probably won't get trumped even if he spends 20. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. What is he missing and what other cars should he try out? He leaves us with a track daily crush at the end here too. Well, manual, four doors. That is mm-hmm. hard to come by these days. Everybody be, yeah. seems to want that mm-hmm. because I want my needs and I want my fun combined for together. Sure. For sure, yeah. For 20K, you're not going to get an E39 BMW M5. You're not. That's true, yeah. I wish that were the case. Unless it's one that needs a lot, which yeah, is terrifying. Yeah, true. You could really you dump money a terrifying into one, yeah. I mean, your wife would like the style, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. However, in the category of if you're willing to give up manuals, the Mazda 3 Turbo is really, really, really good. Sure, yeah. It's more than 20K, but it's really, really, really good. I would suggest also in that category the Kia K5 GT. Oh, interesting. Okay. We've driven that car recently. We do have a test drive on its way. But I am just wondering if you, if there's compromises to be made. You could mm. go new. And mm-hmm. it's entertaining. Neither of those cars are manual. You could go find yourself that Genesis G70 manual, but it's going to be a hard dig. It's going to be hard to find for sure, yep. The car that I want for you is a Civic Type R. Mm. They're not 20 grand. They're not. And they're ugly. Well, oh yeah. I mean, see if you see what your wife thinks when you show her that photo from all angles. Front three quarters is actually pretty good. The rear is the rear is one of those things you have to grow to love. It's like she might wow, say, dear, there. that WRX looks so good. Yeah, she may change her Let's mind completely. Yeah, WRX. But that is the car, the Civic Type R. Could you take the wing off and you know reduce the ugly a little? <laughs> just touch. Just, just carve out the ugly a bit. Just sand it off just a couple degrees. I'm serious. That's Could you funny. buy one of those and get away with a newer car? Now again, they're not 20k, but mm-hmm. I know you'd love that car. But then we come back to this WRX. You could keep driving it, and it does fit all your needs, but your wife thinks it's ugly. She mm-hmm. keeps coming she back it, yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah. It's tough to find that four-door sedan. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to either start looking at hatches or maybe, you know, like an M240i. It's not a sedan, you know, the, the two-series. I do like those a lot. It's just not the four-door. This is this is kind of hard once you drill into all the pieces. I agree with that. Cesar, oh, by the way, you also mentioned that we had discussed Mines Road on our Reddit AMA, and you discovered it and said, wow, that road's great. You are right, man. That road is fantastic. I'm glad you discovered it. Uh, this WRX, uh, the big thing that I see in it here is not the value because there's a lot of value you found in it. It's the age. You're talking about a 20-year-old car mm-hmm. with styling that was love or hate 20 years ago. True. So while when it came find, out, it was exactly. So yee, so finding that? finding a car that you love as much to drive might not be possible for more money, but finding one you like to drive as much, but is significantly better to live with. Both your wife likes it, and you find it nicer, and all these kind of things. I think that is possible. I have uh, two for you, including a wild card. Actually, two for you and a wild card as well. I've stayed near your budget. I'm on like either side of your budget, right around 20 grand. Okay. Have you thought about, haven't mentioned this in a while, a Mitsubishi Evo 10? That's a hardcore ride All right there. All of the fun of your WRX yeah. in a stock package. Find one that has not been completely destroyed by somebody working with it. Get the GSR 5-speed. Do not get the MR with the dual clutch. Just save yourself the hassle and keep the manual. The manual's good. It needs a sixth gear. It doesn't have one. You probably don't even have a sixth gear in your in your 2002, though. So you probably don't True. even notice that. True. That is what you've loved about your WRX, but done better with better styling. They're out there. Get a late one. They were made to, what, 24, uh, 2014, 2015? So get yeah, a 2010 or above. 
it's going to feel really nice by comparison to your Subaru. The downsides of your Subaru might be similar, but I bet you the upsides are going to be better. It has four seats, four doors, doesn't have a very big trunk. But I think you would love that car. Evo 10 I am putting out there as a real serious contender. Interesting. Because think about it. You're at least 10 years newer than your current car. Yeah, that's true. Okay. A, a beauty is in the eye of the beholder on that one too. Yes, a little bit, agreed, but I agreed. think it's better than your bug eye. Uh, there's a another one in the similar vein, and that is E46 generation BMWs. These are the ones that came up through the 2000s. You could mm-hmm. get newer than your current. I think you can go as new as like 2010, 2011, if I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken. But that generation of three series four-door with the ZHP pack, that is almost the M3. It was as close as you'd get to an M3, the beloved E46 early mm-hmm. 2000s M3 that everybody mm-hmm. says you must have. This is a step below that in four-door form. People we know that have ZHP pack, manual transmission, straight six E46 BMWs love them. And with twenty grand, you could go find a nice one that would be newer than your current WRX. It would look classier and it will feel nicer because it was a BMW to begin with. And they're not turbo. So a lot of that extra complexity that creates issues is gone, and it still has hydraulic steering. Mm. So it's another reason I thought of that one. And then my, my wild card is because it is actually above your budget, but I think it is your car done better across the board. Veloster N. Okay. Everything you like about WRX is done better and newer and even more adaptable in the, in the Veloster N. The downside is twofold. One, it is above your budget. Even if you find a used one, it's probably going to be 25, 27, even for a used one. Yeah. yeah. So that is an issue. The other issue is it technically only has three doors, not four. But have your kids get on the curbside. They just both get in and they slide <laughs> over. Okay. It, it, this is still a very usable car. It is. But it's wild mm-hmm. card because of price and technically three doors. But I think that is the car, Veloster N, that does everything you love, newer and better. That's good. Caesar, what about the, like the 2011 baseball cap? Uh, WRX STI generation. So it's not the bug eye anymore. You went newer. If you like the Subies, you went newer, get that STI and it's the hatchback look. Yeah. It's a safer bet than that bug eye. I mean, the bug eye is cool. I, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Not everybody likes it. I get it. True. But if you want to stay in Subie land, that I could want be... you to go. I want you to get something else. I'm with you. But I, I mean, see if, you. if yeah. you wanted to stay there, but then you're just kind of exchanging one for another. You're just exchanging body styles. Really? Yeah. Not, you know, the driving experience is pretty similar. Be very similar, yeah. Interesting. All right, Caesar, let us know. We're very curious. When your car needs new brakes, and it will, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with Power Stop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance for something you already need. Power Stop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation, from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are bolt-on direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes. That includes the pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need new brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. Todd and I even found great kits for our SUVs and cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Lots of good questions, as always. I'm going to start with Chris on Facebook. Does more gears in a manual, he's he's saying six gears, seven gears, who knows, always mean better? Uh, no, Chris, I actually think six is correct. 
I mean, I, I've driven four speeds. I've driven fives. I've driven sixes. I've driven sevens. Nobody's made an eight-speed manual yet. That sounds like a zoo. But anyway, <laughs> I, I just can't even imagine. Because here's what's, here's what's up with six that's really fascinating. Six gets you into uh, typically lower revs at highway speeds and better gas mileage. But it also has a, a natural symmetry to it when you learn to drive it. Because you only have... You have two gears on the far left side of the gearbox. You have two gears on the far right side of the gearbox and two in the middle of the gearbox. You can subconsciously very easily go, what gear am I in and where do I need to be? Without even looking, you add a seventh and that gets weird. Mm. It gets, I mean, I've, I've driven it. It just gets weird because technically you've got multiple middle gears and where it's much harder to figure out. So I think six is the perfect balance in that regard. You could do, I mean, theoretically, we're talking about 10-speed. Can you imagine 10-speed uh, manual? We're talking about 10-speed autos in the world for gas mileage and, and performance mixed. I really can't. Can you imagine the movement for it? Because that's, a, that's no. an even number. Can you imagine the movement for a 10-speed manual? First, second, third, fourth. <laughs> Well, Fifth, six, you're seven, doing eight, lockouts ninth, to reach ten. you know nine and a half <sighs> gear. Your 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 right arm is going to be exhausted. Yeah, you got down no. the block. So I think six is the magic number, but who knows what'll happen? B Tremel says, "What happened to Jaguar?" <laughs> and here follows the topic Tuesday. <laughs> Is he the only one that feels like they've lost their way? Cars like the original F-Type R and the XES were great, but it seems like they've been on the downturn ever since they started building SUVs. The answer is in there. With more and more news of Jaguar going electric soon, it doesn't sound like things will improve anytime soon. So what do we think Jaguar could do to recapture their sporting image? Mm. Well, Jaguar recently reached out to us and said we could get an exclusive look at one of their first and the only Jaguar F-Type Heritage 60 edition in the U.S., limited to 60 examples, painted in Sherwood green. It's a dull green. It's from the 60s. It -hmm. makes it look dull. It's not a bright, exciting color. But we didn't get to drive it. In that sentence where you said started building SUVs, Jaguar has backed off and let themselves become a a niche manufacturer, a special occasion kind of car. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yet they're trying to force what everybody's buying, SUVs, into their business model and their perception, their brand image Mm. of this special gift. I treat myself a milestone birthday or business accomplishment and I got a Jag. They don't have any of the third car or the second car kind of cars in their lineup Mm. that reach enthusiasts. Can you imagine if they did? Because what if for all these enthusiasts, they came out with a lower priced, beautiful, slinky, sexy XKSS X, you know, something crazy looking that is the second or third car. And it's mostly attainable. It's maybe 40, 50 Mm. trying to, I mean, for Jaguar, that's a lower price. But then it's this hmm, Jaguar driving dynamics. That's what I aspire to, like a BMW 2 Series or a Boxster or something like that. Suddenly they're competing in that level that makes enthusiasts want those cars. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be across their lineup, but it just seems like all of their cars have gotten larger and heavier, and they've got the one F-Type. But it's not this light, dynamic, beautiful thing. I mean, it's pretty to look at, but it's not this driver's car, in mm-hmm. my opinion, anymore. It's just a big kind of Mercedes SL buyer, if you know sure, what I mean. Sure, yeah. And then, yeah, they're trying to capture market share with SUVs. What is it about Jaguar that is Jaguar? Mm, what is it good. about the driving experience? Is it just style? 
Is it just the badge? Is it tech? What What is it about Jaguar that mm-hmm. makes you think British luxury? This is completely different than anybody else. This is. I specifically want a Jaguar because of this. I can't answer that. I'm asking mm-hmm. all yeah, of us. That's great. What is it about Jaguar that that's differentiates great. it from you know, a high-end Lexus or a BMW or a Mercedes? Mm-hmm. And what is the feel about it? Well, partly the answer is in that E-Pace. It was designed to be a rear-drive biased SUV, which is a bit rare, and you do feel it in corners. So they did have that in the underpinnings of the car. But what else is there? Mm-hmm. It didn't seem to catch fire with buyers. Yeah, it was, it was very expensive for what you got. Yeah. yeah, so I'm wondering, could they back it off or come out with a lower price model that is just based on style? That's what the E-Type was. Mm-hmm. Stylish. That's why you bought it. Who cares if the electrics didn't work? But that gorgeous <laughs> engine. Get home before dark. But it's got to be awesome when it runs. Right. Yeah. And brought enthusiasts something that now you're aspiring to this second or third car. Because we have so many choices of SUVs to mm-hmm. buy to fit the family needs and the cargo hauling needs. That's already taken care of. Why would you go after that market share? Leave it to Toyota and Honda and Lexus and Mazda and just let them have it. Mm-hmm. Do something different. It might mean lower sales, but it might mean a brand loyalty again. And breaking them out and giving them something. That's interesting. I like that a lot. Robert on Facebook says, how do we feel about the stigma of altering an older or a classic car beyond its stock configuration? (laughs) And he says he's noticed that if the car is uncommon, the stigma is heavier. You're absolutely right. But if it has some light flaw or damage and could be justified to correct, why why not do it? Robert, mm, wow, uh, rakes and landmines. Okay, let, let me walk through here quickly. First off, I have to address this thing that I always address, and that is we don't like tuning out of class. If you bought a car and you're going to put, a, again, as much into it to make it a better car, and it's still not as good as the car you could have just bought with all that money. You bought a $20,000 car, you put $20,000 into it, and if you just bought a $40,000 X, it would be a better car. I don't believe in tuning out of class. But classics have an interesting loophole because if you have a specific car you want, okay, a car from the 60s, a car from the 80s, a car from the 90s, a Radwood car, that they're never going to make again, and you've always wanted one, then you don't have a choice but to put money into that to change it and make it better if there's something about it you want. At that point, you're not tuning out of class because they don't make that car anymore. Nobody Mm. makes anything like the 4th Gen Supra or the 90s 300ZX or the RX-7 from the 90s. I'm just thinking of those three because we did a piece on them for TV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That car really doesn't exist anymore. You like 944 Porsches? Well, you better fix that one because they're not making another one. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so if you have a car you have specifically latched onto as, I want one of these, then I am a monster fan of the term Restomod. That has that amazing exterior. I'll give you my personal example is the Jaguar E-Type. Okay, all right. Money, no object, I would have an E-Type, and I would ship it as soon as I could to Eagle E-Types over in England and have them do it all. <laughs> Say, make me poor. Yes, have them do it all. <laughs> Where nothing outside of that, the impressive bodywork really is how the car was stock. Because guess what? This is controversial. Mm. A lot of those old cars don't drive very well. True. They True. drive like old car. This is old. This feels yeah. fragile. I'm worried yeah. about it. Now, Robert... People are angry about you daring to do this because people are also looking at cars now as investments and not joy machines. 
I bought this 911. It's a pristine 911. It is air-cooled, and I'm not going to touch it, and I'm going to sell it for, you know what, it's going to make me money. Did you drive it? Do you like driving it? Mm-hmm. The people that mm-hmm. we have met that have, like, I have the original tires this car came with. Burn those. Why do you have them? <laughs> they have them because I need to show off that this is the car- tires it came with. Yeah, I guarantee that. you, the engineer that was forced to put those tires on would have prayed to any god he could find to have modern tires to put on that car in the 50s when they came with those tires. They didn't like those tires. <laughs> You're preserving something that was bad tech? What are we doing? If you're going to drive it, make it awesome. If you're going to take it to a concourse and try to win the most original, it's that new class that popped up in Pebble a few years ago, that which was essentially the broken down class. <laughs> the junky old unrestored we pull, class. We pulled it out of the barn, unrestored it, made it run, and we drove it on the concourse lawn. And I kept walking around going, yeah, but it looks broken. I, shouldn't you have <laughs> fixed it? Because it is. Exactly, because it's the original <laughs> everything. There's that whole separate class. So... I may seem like I'm talking on both sides of my mouth, but I really think if you have a car you love, make it yours, unless the reason you have it is as an investment, then of course you just keep it stock and don't drive it. Atomic Gumby says, what is the worst term in the car industry today? You would like to nominate Grand Coupe. I suppose so. That's more towards the car name itself, and we have you know, various issues with car names. But as far as the industry terms... Infotainment bugs me. That's a fun one. Yes. Connectivity kind of drives me up a wall. (laughs) I'm getting there. Lifestyle vehicle. Yeah, that I I don't know what that means. Beanies and guitars and and kayaks are involved. Lifestyle. Lifestyle vehicle. Yes. Biggest offender is for every startup today saying they're reinventing the future of mobility. Mm -hmm. Like Canoe with their mobility solutions. What are you guys making roller skates? Pogo sticks? <laughs> Mobility? Good. I what? like it. Is it scooter company? What what do you guys do? Oh, you make things that look like cars or trucks. Mm-hmm. And why don't you just call it that? They've reimagined it though, Paul. They've re- they're it's re- reinventing it's reimagined. Come join our team where yes. you, nobody thinks like we do. Help us reimagine. Gag me. <laughs> You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Oshada on Twitter says, should I buy a Honda Beat or keep my Subaru BRZ? Hmm, this is... Oh! I, I want to unpack this for a second. There's Honda a Beat. size difference. Honda Beat is a K car, okay? <laughs> that is K-E-I. We drove a few a few years back for one of our... We worked with a great guy, Adam, at Sotomoto in uh, just south of uh, downtown Seattle. We got a couple of K cars, which was terrifying because I barely fit into the AutoZam AZ1. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We were just shocked. I barely got my noggin inside it. So <laughs> K cars are shockingly small. What I'm wondering here is, is your BRZ your only car? If it is, do not get rid of it and get a Honda Beat. If your BRZ is your fun little car that you drive every now and then and you just drive it for the laugh and the fun, then maybe get a K car and a Honda Beat is a great candidate. I agree with that. But 
these are at best third cars. All the K cars are at best third mm. cars. It's like it, it's that car that you drive and you go, can I? Be, can you believe this exists? That's not a thought you ever want to have on a car you need a daily. Can you believe I fit in this? That's not a conversation you want to have. It I'm needs to here be, exactly. I fit. Exactly. I mean, come on. In the U.S., you're now right-hand drive, which is problematic, and you're smaller than the smallest other thing on the road. Nobody expects you coming. You have almost no power. Am I selling the fact that this is not a good daily? So if your BRZ is a daily, please hang on to that car. If it's for a laugh, get yourself a K car because it is possibly one of the best laughs out there. <laughs> There's another question from B. Tremel saying, the gap between Porsche's S and GTS trim levels appears to be growing. What are our thoughts? Well, I think you might be referring to the 718 Cayman. Because when that car was introduced and the first GTS came out, it did indeed have the four-cylinder. Mm-hmm. Then the GTS 4.0 came back out, and they went back to the six-cylinder. Mm-hmm. So the bottom two levels, the base and the S, retained the four-cylinder engine. Yeah. But then when yeah. you step up to the GTS or the GT4, you're back to the flat six. Yeah. And it's no longer turbo. You're back to natural aspiration. Mm-hmm. I say, finally, because the differentiation between all of Porsche's models has been so slight mm. and the numbers are so thinly divided. Sure, sure. That this is only a good thing. And as a matter of fact, look what they did to the Macan. They dropped the turbo Macan. It's mm. only the GTS at the top end. Did we need the GTS and the turbo? And, <laughs> and the turbo as What's the difference? The, yeah. Really? What they're, is when the difference? Especially when they're all turbo engines, it makes it real confusing. Yes. Yeah. I think they're applying thinking where let's whittle things down. Let's get more specific. Mercedes has been doing this for a number of years. Let's really try to find, we don't have to do the hot version in the middle and the low hot version of everything. (laughs) We can just just relax. Hotter, slightly hotter still, slightly hotter again. Yeah. Super hot. Uh, It just, it sounds like it's engineered to give salespeople the ability to get customers into a car Mm -hmm. at whatever budget they have. Yeah. Except it's Porsche. So we, many of us don't have that budget. Yes. Yes. I like it. I think it's only a good thing. And I continue to repeat that Porsche needs to come out with an even lower priced model mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that truly democratizes that fun sports car thing for everyone where we can aspire to it. Maybe it's not 30 grand, but maybe it's not 60. Yeah, that'd be great. And it's smaller and lighter and less. It's just yes. less of everything. With that great base two liter four cylinder that they had in the, in the Cayman, what about that in a car below the Cayman? Yes. That engine's 300 horsepower. Put it in something that competes. I'm going to put it out there with the Z car and the Supra directly. Mm. Starts at 40 grand mm. with that base engine that is unloved in the Porsche lineup. Like the, the pure, that's not a, that's not a Porsche engine. I, I hear you yelling. I hear you. That is a powerful engine. What about that in a lesser car? See, I love that. There's a V6 in that Macan. There's V6s in the Cayenne. Mm-hmm. How about a front engine Porsche again? Sure. Yeah. Front engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some well, fun sports okay. car. Because the they've new... done it before. The 944 is an FRS. It is an 86. Yes. The new 944 that is in the price point of the Z car. Yeah. 40 grand front engine Porsche with a with a 300 horsepower, which, of course, you can tune beyond that. Sure. Four but they've got the V6s. Yeah, but, they, but they've got the flat four turbos. Yeah. I mean, they've they got the four-cylinder turbos that are currently going in, in the Cayman and Boxster. That's a direct competitor to the 86. It is. It'll be Built more back. expensive, but still. But that'd be interesting as yes, heck. That's would. just a, yes, a variety of choice. And then Jaguar comes along and 
you know, takes our advice and says, hey, guys, we've got something interesting, too. You and I are remaking the sports car middle market. It'd be cool if people would listen. Denny, though, says, will minivans and wagons become popular in America again when the upcoming generation, people that aren't driving yet, get to driving age and realize that SUVs and crossovers were the cars mom and dad drove? <laughs> well, is it possible that that same backlash would happen that happened originally to minivans, which obviously are still very usable and sell plenty, but everybody wants an SUV and not a minivan. Here's the Pandora's box of this that we can't get back because we've seen it on some of our test drive pieces that people talk about. The infrastructure of roads around the world isn't racetrack smooth. Some places in the U.S., people typically bring up Detroit all the time. Some places in the U.S. have nasty roads that combined with I'm sitting higher and can see more. The cat is out of the bag, folks. Use your metaphor. The milk is spilled. Whatever you want to go with, okay? Milk under the bridge? You better, it, it is milk under the bridge. <laughs> the bull is under the bridge. The cat that's out of the bag is licking up the milk that's under the bridge. It's all happened. You can't okay? put the astronaut food back in the tube. You really, really can't because it's floating around the cabin. People talk about, sometimes on our SUV things, where we say, go get a wagon. They're like, yeah, but I need that ground clearance. The ground clearance difference is an inch. Yeah, it's, it's an not in, much. It's an yeah, inch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sometimes it's more. I understand there's things out there with eight inches of ground clearance, but typically from your typical, like, I bought a wagon and I bought an SUV, the ground clearance is about an inch. But we feel like we're sitting so much higher. I must be safer and I must be better for these bad roads. That is a general public perception of cars and roads that I don't think is going to be surmounted. All right. Well, we'll end things with Track Day the Crushes. We haven't done a bunch in a while. Coming back to Cesar's email, at the bottom of his email was a 2002 edition. All the cars were 2002. The WRX, the GTI, and the Dodge Neon RT. Track Daily Crush. Hmm. That WRX will probably be good on track. Off-road, on-road. I'll take the WRX on track. Okay. And I'm going to daily the GTI because it's probably you know pretty comfy. I've never liked the Neon. I know you're not a Neon fan. Never liked them. Yeah. Um, the 2002 GTI is fine. It's fine. Uh, the WRX, you know what? I wish that was the SRT Neon because it would be the track monster here. Sure. That would be the fun car. It's not the one we have. I actually think I might have to go with you, but I really want to crush the GTI because it is, it's just Blandsville. <laughs> All right, moving on to Elon W. Says the 30th anniversary Little Tykes Coupe, Mitsubishi Mirage without air conditioning, and a mid-90s Hyundai Accent track daily crush. I will... The Little Tykes thing is very funny. <laughs> I'm not coming near that thing. I'm going to track the Mirage without AC because on track you're already hot. <laughs> you're used to being hot. The windows are down. You're not using your AC anyway on track, hopefully. And then I'm, I'm dailying the accent. And last one from Trent and James Darty. 08 Cobalt SS. The Dodge Neon SRT4. Here it is. There it is. And the Ford Focus SVT. You think that Neon SRT4 would be never driven one? I think that'd be a fun track car. It'd be just a little absurd fun track car until it all went wrong. I think it'd be very fun. That Cobalt SS has never done anything for me. And there's legions of people who love their Cobalt SS and convince us, no, no, no. See, I think I would, I I remember the Ford specifically. I remember both of those cars actually pretty well. I think I would probably take the Cobalt and crush the Ford, even though the Ford has its merit as well. I think it's main, and the main reason the Ford gets crushed is because I like the Cobalt a little bit better, and I do want to track that Neon for the laugh. 
I suppose so. Guys, thank you for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Eight car film and the five car film still mm-hmm. on YouTube. They're going to be, <laughs> they're, they're going to still be on indefinitely. YouTube. Yep. But we want to always point those to, and point you to those films as genuine cars that are fun and you can afford. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you can afford really appreciate your questions. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>